Well, that's obviously a powerful, powerful song, and you may have noticed or not that it's a modern-day take on the story of the Samaritan woman. And since this story of this Samaritan woman is such a powerful and perfect example of this weekend's conversation on our need to focus on hope and how that can bring life change, I thought it'd be helpful for us to do something we don't always do here, to read the entire story this weekend. And so you can find it in John chapter 4 and you can follow along. I'm going to begin with verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food and the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than your father, than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And I'm going to just stop there for a second. I don't know if you see what's happening yet, but they're missing each other. And it's because they're focused on two different things. The woman's kind of seeing the outside, the externals, the stuff beyond her out there the well, this, but Jesus is talking about what's in her. She's talking about a physical water, a water that's external, physical. He's talking about a water that's internal and spiritual, and she's just not seeing it. Oh man, I'll take water. I never have to come to the well again. I don't have to put the bucket down in there. I don't have to carry it on my shoulder. This is awesome. That's great. Give me that water. But he's talking about living water. He's talking about something else. So she's looking exterior. He's looking interior. She's looking beyond. He's looking within. And so he has to get her to the same place or he'll, she'll never be able to experience what only Jesus can give. And just so you know, this same adventure goes on with all of us between us and God. I mean, the reason so much of God and his truth we miss is because he's coming at it from an entirely different focus than us. And so he allows things into our lives. He brings attention to things. He allows things to come up, even painful things, in order for us to start seeing what we need to see in order to experience what we need from him. Get that? And that's what he's going to do with her right now. It looks painful. He's bringing up stuff that can be hurtful, sound even mean, but it's not. He wants her to see that the thirst that he can quench is the thirst of her soul, the longing of her heart. He can give her hope in the midst of despair. So he goes there. He points it out, and he says, to her very clearly, go call your husband and come back. He's getting personal. 
Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, well, that's honest. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now, he just took her within. This is your brokenness. This is pointing out your emptiness. This is pointing out your despair, your darkness, your difficulty. It defines everything about you. You're an outcast. You've been rejected, betrayed. It's defining everything about her. This is not going to be solved by the water in the well. This is only going to be solved by his living water. And she has to see it and acknowledge it or she'll never experience it. And she's still going to miss him all the way through this. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Yes, he is. He knew something you didn't know. But he doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to see within. And this is where we are. We, hear, we come to a church and God's just speaking to us. And we're saying, look at the lights. Look at the music. Look at this. We hear it talking. Look at that. But what it's really about is focusing within so that the truth of Jesus Christ can change our lives. And that's what he wants. So she's on the external. She's without. He's still within. And so she says, I can see you're a prophet. Then she goes, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And I kind of get a little frustrated. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You'll worship on whatever mountain you're on when it's within you when it's not an external thing. And then it says, the woman said, I know, that, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. She's still on this outside thing saying, oh, you're someone that can answer these questions that we all ask in church. You know, in small group, we have a bunch of those questions like, is Jesus coming tomorrow? Is Jesus coming today? What about this? And what about this? And what about this? And it's all often a deflection so that we don't have to look within. And that's what she's doing. Is Messiah coming? Was she interested in a savior? No, she was interested in deflection. I hear the Messiah's coming. This would be interesting to me. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Some transition happens. She goes from without to within because everything changes. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they all came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then the end verse, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because the, of the woman's testimony because the woman invited them to come and see, come and see, come and see. All right. So in this story, there's a huge life change that comes in this woman's life. Huge. 
And I had to really spend time on this because I believe that I have the same problem by nature that she had, and I believe you do as well. And I'm really trying to come to grips with what's going on. So I think, well, all right, this woman obviously went through a change when you follow the rest of her story. She went through a change. So what changed in this woman? And I boiled it down to, and you can check me if I'm correct, and you can process the story on your own, but what changed in this woman was her focus. Her focus went from without to within. And that's when life change occurs. When your focus goes from without to within and you deal with the darkness there so that then you can look at Jesus differently. Uh, this woman's problem was not, you know, all the trouble she had in life, it was not that she didn't know any truth. The truth is, she did know some truth. She knew quite a bit of truth. Look at the discussion she had with Jesus. And this is true of us. Many of us know some truth, a lot of truth, and yet don't we still have all kinds of trouble? Don't we still make all kinds of bad choices? So her problem wasn't that she didn't know any truth. She did. Her problem was that she didn't want to focus the truth on the things within her. That's difficult. She wanted to focus on the things that were beyond her, impersonal, abstract, less painful, informative, but not life-changing. She didn't want to focus on what was within her, the very personal, painful, real issues where Jesus could, could, could make a difference. But when she changed focus, she moved from despair to hope. And the same can happen for us. Focus on hope. So here's the truth behind our conversation this weekend. We love to focus as human beings on what's beyond us instead of what's in us. It's easier. It's more comfortable. It's less painful. We work hard at focusing on what's beyond us instead of what's in us, just like she tried to deflect, right? Oh, you're a prophet. Oh, this. And what about that? And why that? We do the same thing. We put on images to make sure that people can't see within us and so that we can be comfortable in our skin without looking within us because what's in there is where darkness, despair, and all kinds of other negative issues dwell, guilt and shame. We love to focus beyond us instead of what's in us. There's another example just to get it. It's uh, maybe a little harder to see, but it's just as important. I saw it in the book of Acts with the apostles. The apostles did the same thing. You know, Peter had just gone through denying Jesus, all kinds of difficult things. He was going through his own mess. All the other apostles were as well. Jesus just died and was buried and rose again. And there were real important issues to deal with. Jesus was dealing with them, but they weren't having it. He says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And just no. They've asked him this a bunch of times, and he said, really? That's really not the topic for right now. That's something only the Father knows. That's beyond you. Why don't we talk about things that can change your life so that you can then be witnesses to change other people's lives? And they kept doing it. Are you going to restore the kingdom now? Are you going to restore the kingdom now? And he said to them, it's not for you, again, to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. That's beyond you. It's not for you. Yes, it's interesting, but it's irrelevant. And he says, but, and this is where Jesus turns it to within again, but here's what's in your grasp. Here is what's for you. Here is what is life-changing with you. And it's something that is going to be within you, but 
you will receive power in you when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. So the apostles were trying to focus on these journals. What's this thing? What's this? What's this? And he's going, no, it's not about that. It's about what's in you. And so Jesus said, you go back to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out on you and in you. And when I am in you, you're going to be witnesses to change the whole world. But what happens if he's never in you? You never experience the living water. And we do this, I'm telling you, as a person, as a pastor, I tend to do this, look focus beyond me instead of within me. And focusing beyond never fixes anything. The people I pastor, any of you, you know, you focus beyond you. You're hiding all kinds of stuff within, avoiding it, right? But it's only when we are willing to look within and then let Jesus deal with it that we can overcome it. So the apostles and the Samaritan woman are a perfect example of our truth this weekend. By nature, they, like we, focused on what was beyond them instead of what was in them. So I want to walk through the Samaritan woman's picture, and you can apply it to any other story, including your own. But I think this will help you, as it's helped me, to let Jesus in to focus on hope and experience it. When I look at the Samaritan woman, when she was focusing on the problems beyond her, when she was focusing on all these problems without, she could only see Jesus as just another prophet, as just another teacher, as just another itinerant, and she remained unchanged. He was just another guy spouting off spiritual stuff. He was just another guy spouting out some prophecies. He was just another guy doing some things in the name of God. He's out here. And when she was looking at problems beyond her, she could only see Jesus as an external teacher, an external prophet, an external religious leader. It's all out here. But where does life change happen? It doesn't happen out here. It happens in here. And so she needed to go through a change. As a result of focusing on problems beyond her and not within her, she remained broken, messed up and thirsty. And I hope you'll get this next sentence because I believe this is definitive of much of Christianity today, maybe many of our lives. She had the right language, but she had the wrong life. The church is filled with the right language. It's filled with the right language. But so many are still walking in the wrong life. She talked about God. She talked about worship and hope and faith and grace, but she was still broken and empty inside. Jesus wasn't interested in changing her view about which mountain was the right one to worship on. What good would that have done? He could have corrected her on the mountain. What good would it have done? She would have changed mountains, but her life would have remained the same. And isn't this what we do today? We change churches, we change religious names, we do all these different things, but we remain the same. Because when you look at what's beyond you, you'll never experience hope because hope isn't something that happens out here. Hope is always something that happens in here. Jesus needs to get within, and we need to start by looking at our brokenness and our need, and it'll change our view of him. Jesus was interested 
her. And we need to become more interested in what Jesus wants to do in us than the things we want to know in the world. He was interested in helping her to find life and life to the full, but that required for her to change her focus. She needed to look within to face her own needs, her own thirst, and her own brokenness. And then she changes focus. When focusing on the problems in her, when she realized, I need the living water, he can forgive me of my guilt and my emptiness he can fill. When focusing on the problems in her, she could see who Jesus was and be transformed. When I look within and see my sin and guilt and that it's something I can't overcome, and then I can see Jesus for the one who can give me the living water, forgiveness of the guilt, removal of the shame. I look at him differently than when I'm looking beyond and wondering what he'd say about that or how he'd teach about this and what a great historical figure he was. Jesus is always the same, but we experience Jesus differently when we're looking within instead of looking without. And that's what happened to her because she now had Jesus in focus for who he was. She knew her need. When her focus changed, she changed. Because what was in her changed. She went from sin to grace. She went from guilt to forgiveness. Rather than hopelessness, there was now hope because now she had Jesus in her and her whole story changed. She experienced new life. It became personal. I don't know if you noticed it, but in the beginning of the story with that woman, it was very impersonal, but it became personal. That's what happens when you let him within. It's not abstract. It was no longer an academic issue for her, but a life-changing issue. It was no longer a religious issue. It was a relational issue with God. And that's where we have to go. I'll just give you a verse, pretty common verse, 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You can see that in the story of the Samaritan woman. He's saying, if you just ask me for my water, it's living and it'll burst forth into eternal life. She's going, yeah, but which mountain am I supposed to be on? And so she has to let him within to experience it. If we confess our sins, that word confess means acknowledge. We have to look within and acknowledge it. Yes, I'm guilty. I'm not just a victim. I've victimized. If all the world changed, I would still remain guilty. I'm the same. I'm part of the problem in the world. Don't you love it how we all act like everybody else is the problem and if it was just for us, the world would be great? Like me to be president, you'll know how bad I can make up this world. I mean, it's like, it's, it's crazy, but we're always looking out here. We have to look within and we have to go, I'm the problem. I'm broken. I'm guilty. I need his water. And then it changes our view of him because now we need him. So he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It requires looking within. Just one more verse. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. When you 
Let him within, you look within, you confess your sins, you let him in to forgive you. The old is gone, the new is here. So let me get personal with you. This is where you're going to do what she did. How many lights are there in this auditorium? And you know, and what about that? And I wonder what they believe about this. And you'll be on your phones doing email because it's tough to take a look within. But if you're ever going to experience hope, you need to. Here's the question, when you look within, what do you see? I know what you say, we've got the right language. But when you look within, what do you see? Do you see the old or the new? When you look within, do you see guilt or grace? When you look within, do you see despair or hope? When you look within, do you see doubt or faith? Skepticism or trust? When you look within, do you see bitterness and hatred or love and forgiveness, what do you see? Because see, if it's you within, you're going to see everything she saw. But if it's Jesus within, you're going to see everything he is. Which are you seeing? We keep begging God for doing all these things and we think it will change our hope. No, it won't. It will change our circumstances and we'll still be people of despair. We'll still be empty. But when he's within us, we have hope in all circumstances. The old is gone, the new is here. When you look within, what do you see? One last thing I want to share with you, perspective on her change of focus. When her life was changed because she focused within and then invited Jesus to change her story, when her life was changed, she had a story she couldn't help but share. She went to the town that had rejected her. She was an outcast. She went to the town that had rejected her. You know she's an outcast because she's there in the middle of the day getting water. but. Most townspeople would come in the morning and the evening. She had to come off time because she was an outcast. She went to the very town that rejected her to invite them to come and see this Jesus because she realized all of us are guilty and they needed the hope in the living water as much as she did. So she went and shared her story because she had a story to tell. You know, a lot of times people don't share the story of their faith because they have no story to tell. God's not doing anything, what do I say? We know the language. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again. We know the language. If we believe in Jesus, we'll be saved. We know the language, but we're living the wrong life. We have no story to tell. She had a story to tell. Come and see. And because her story, and this is another thing, when the story's real, when we've looked within, we've allowed him to redeem us from our brokenness and our sin, it goes from this outward kind of deal to personal. Her story was personal. Her story was passionate because her life was changed. The story was powerful, and though she was this outcast, the people couldn't help but check it out. What happened to her? What happened to her? Let's go and see. And so they came. And as a result, Jesus did the same thing with them. Got him looking within. And many believed. And because of her, they experienced Jesus' life-changing hope. Because of her! Jesus said that's how it should be with all of us. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. If you've experienced Jesus within and his forgiveness and his salvation and his redemption, 
You've experienced the application of the blood of Christ, as we sang about earlier. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. If you're filled with light, you can't hide it. How are so many hiding it? Well, maybe they've got the right language, but it's all outside and not inside. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. If you've got the light, you're, you're not trying to hide it, you're trying to show it. Put it as on, on as high a table as possible. Instead, they put it on its stand and give its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's exactly what she did. Because her life changed, she had a story to share, and she shared it. Here's the reality that I, I have to continually contemplate, and I want you to contemplate with me. The same that happened to her can and should be true of us. Where we go from looking beyond keeping Jesus at arm's length because we're not willing to look within, and then we look within and we confess our sin and see him for the Savior he is and let him in and save us, and then we can't contain the story because he's totally changed our lives. It's what happened to her, and it's what can and should happen for us. It's what happened to the apostles. You know, they want to know the kingdom, when's this coming, when's this coming, you know what, and then they obeyed. They just trusted God. They trusted. They stopped looking beyond and they started looking within and as a result they trusted and obeyed Jesus. What did they do? Acts 1.12, the apostles returned to Jerusalem. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come in you. They trusted and obeyed. And the result was who they were within changed. They were filled with the Spirit of God, and God used them to change their world. And this is what God wants to do with us, use us to change the world. It's a powerful truth, I believe. Are you looking beyond or within? When you look within, is it filled with brokenness or is it filled with grace? When you look within, are you seeing yourself? and how you've been victimized and you've been hurt and you've been ripped off and you've been disappointed? Or are you looking within and seeing Jesus and realizing, oh my gosh, I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with light. I'm filled with love. Well, I'm going to give you an application. And then I'm going to give you a practical way that we here at Northridge are trying to express that. And then I'm going to give you a concluding thought. And it sounds like that should be able to be done in three minutes, right? <laughs> it won't be. But here's the thing. I just want you to know where I'm going. Because all of what we've talked about so far means nothing if we don't apply it. So if we genuinely want to experience the hope of Jesus, and this series is called Hope, and all of us do, if we genuinely want to experience the hope of Jesus, then we need to change our focus. We need to change our focus from what's beyond us, all the problems, all the challenges, all the difficulties, all the disappointments, all the questions, all, the, all that stuff. We have, to, we have to change our focus from what's beyond us, from what we can't know, what we can't fix, what doesn't ultimately matter, to what's in us. Our need, our brokenness, our insecurity, our emptiness, our fear, our greed, despair, bitterness, disappointment. We need to turn our focus within not to stay in that place because it's there in our guilt 
we can finally see our need. So many people don't turn to Jesus because they don't think they need him. Other people need him. You need him. Just look within. When we look within, we'll be able to see Jesus for who he really is, not just a great teacher, not just a great prophet, not just a great interesting historical figure. Rather, we'll see him as our only hope, our only savior, our only Lord. When we stop looking beyond us to what's in us, then out of need, we will fix our focus and our faith on Jesus and experience genuine life change. That's what Paul's getting at when he talks in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Look what he says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's what everybody's doing, looking beyond. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to go through this life change. Like the Samaritan woman, when we stop conforming to the world's pattern of looking beyond us and genuinely look with and acknowledge what's in us, see who we really are, we'll be able to see Jesus and be transformed. Have you experienced that? We need to recognize and acknowledge our sin and brokenness. Have you ever done that? We need to then recognize Jesus as the only hope for salvation. He's the only one that died and was buried and rose again for us. We need to trust him to forgive us, to be our savior, to be our Lord. And then like her, we'll experience new life. We'll experience hope. It will become personal, not abstract. I, I, I can't judge what's in another person's heart, but Jesus says I can know them by their fruit, you know? The good tree brings forth good fruit. The bad tree brings forth bad fruit. And it at least gives you an idea about what might be in them. And it's so amazing how many people I talk to Jesus about, things of faith about, the Bible with about. And they're so disconnected from it. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, the Bible, sure. Yeah, yeah, and this and that and this and that. They've got all the right language but it's so impersonal, it's so disconnected, it's so far away. There's nothing personal or passionate. Of course not, because until it's changed your life, it's not going to be personal. Is it personal for you? Or abstract? When we really experience Jesus within, it will no longer be an academic issue. I see so many people who make Faith and academic exercise. Nothing wrong with exercising your mind. But if it's an academic exercise and it never penetrates within you to your heart, it's meaningless. Because only letting Jesus within will change our story. So how does that happen? How does it start? It all starts with faith. Where we come to the place where we know we have no hope, but he does starts with faith. We have to trust him. The apostles trusted him and went back to Jerusalem and waited for the Spirit. The Samaritan woman ultimately trusted him, and so have, must we. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's by grace you're saved. You've got to, you've got to trust him. You've got to look within and acknowledge the brokenness. And that doesn't make your life worse. It gives you the opportunity to invite him in 
and remove it. You don't have to keep rehearsing it. You have to see it, acknowledge it, and release it to him. And he'll change your life. If you've never done this, I have one more thought I'm going to share with you and then a conclusion. I'm going to give you the practical thing and then the conclusion, but I believe some of you here right now are ready to take this step. You want to go from seeing Jesus as a teacher to experiencing him as a savior. And so would you just for a moment pray with me? And as we bow in prayer, if you're here and you're ready to take that step, just inside, you don't have to make a scene out of it, just inside, just take my words and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I... I need you in me. The truth is, in me is guilt and failure and shame and sin and fear and insecurity. I need you to forgive me. You died on the cross to forgive me. And I'm asking you to take my guilt and my shame and remove it. And God, you rose again, and I'm asking you to give me a new heart, to be in me, giving me new life and new hope. Save me. I'm trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you just prayed with me, there's so much to this life we'd love to share with you. We'd love to share with you next steps that you can take and things we could support you with. We'd like to give you a book of the Bible that comes in a journal format, and it's a really nice uh, journal, and we'd love for you to get that, but we just need to know that you prayed with me. So all you have to do is text us, as you can see on the screen, Northridge at 316.16. We'll send you a link. You have to fill out the link and get it back to us, so we'll have the information we need to send you that information, okay? Okay, so now we've opened our life to Christ with faith. We've, we've experienced him like the woman at the well and like the apostles. And now we have a story to share, right? We have a story to share. We have communities of people who we know where we can go, workplace, community, family. And man, we have a story to share. We have, we have a, a come and see to invite people to. And our story should be as personal and passionate as theirs. It should be powerful. People should be able to notice and be curious about it simply because of our story. And, and here's an example of how we make it easier for you. Because the truth is, when you first come to faith, it's like, you, you go tell your friend, man, I came to faith, and that's great. And a lot of times you don't know what to say and how to go, and you get stalled out. And so what did she get to do? She got to invite them to come meet Jesus, right? She told the story, but then she got to invite them to come meet Jesus. And so we do that every week at church. Every single week is an opportunity for you to be sharing story with people, inviting people to come and see, and that's great. But every once in a while, we do a really, 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 really big thing that's hard for people to ignore that they might even want to come to. In fact, we do one thing in the year where we have corporate leaders who buy hundreds of tickets to come to so that they can bring their employees and the corporate leaders don't even know Jesus themselves. It's crazy. It's that good. It's unbelievable. And you know what this event is called? The glory of Christmas. Yeah. And I'm just giving you a practical application. This isn't the Bible teaching. This is a practical application of how we can do come and see to help share our story. The glory of Christmas is a come and see opportunity. It's a come and see opportunity. And so what we do is this huge event that's very attractive and brings people in, but at the center of the event is one purpose, to introduce them to the real Jesus, who died, was buried, and rose again. It's the whole thing. 
You know those flying angels? Yeah, they don't matter. It's the story of Jesus that matters. You know, all the cool Christmas crap? I just told you what I thought of it. <laughs> None of that really matters. You know what matters? Jesus. But that stuff compels people to come. And do you realize every single year we have over 30,000 people come to the glory of Christmas? We sell out all over the place. It, and, and why do they come? They see this event. But what do they hear? Jesus. But because it's such a popular event, because it's so attractive, because it's so fun to be at, if we're not careful, all the wrong people will come and fill the seats here. We don't want this place filled with all the people who already have hope. We don't want this place filled with all the people who already have the right language and the right life. We don't want this place filled with other churches to come for entertainment. We want this place filled with people like the Samaritan woman who are wrestling to find their hope and Jesus can give it to them. And if they're in a seat here at Glory of Christmas, their life can change forever. So what we do is we open tickets up to you Northridge Church attendees before anyone else. Now, if you're a guest here, you might think I'm marketing. I'm not marketing. I'm giving you an application to this talk. I don't have to get up here and do this. This place is going to be sold out. It's going to be sold out. That's not the problem. The problem is getting the right people in the seats. So for a week, Northridge, you have access to buying tickets before we release it to the public. And what we want to encourage you to do is like the Samaritan woman, Say, come and see. Buy a ticket for those that you know need hope and invite them in to the glory of Christmas so their life can be changed. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Now, someone could be thinking, yeah, but she didn't have to buy tickets to get people to Jesus. That's true. But Jesus was still there. He hadn't ascended. That's true, too. But that's not the issue. In our culture, the only way we're going to share Jesus with people in a personal way if we can get exposure to them, and the only way we're going to get exposure to them is if we do a big thing, not a little thing. If we invited you to our kindergarten concert, parents would come, grandparents would come. I was a parent once. I came. I didn't want to be there when my kids were in it. I'm certainly not coming to see your kids. That's kind of where I'm at. But I'll go to a Broadway event or I'll go to a significant event, I'll go to some great concert, that's what this is, and then they get surprised by the truth of Jesus Christ. But to do that kind of a production, what's it take? It takes resources, it takes money. We don't make money. We're not getting rich as a church off the glory of Christmas. That's not happening. It goes to pay to put this program on. Why do we sell tickets? Because we don't want to invite people in and then ask them for money. We want the Christians with hope to buy the tickets to give to the ones without hope so they can hear the message of Jesus because of grace from beginning to end. That's why we do it. There shouldn't be any judgment on this. There should be all celebration. And here's the good news. Tickets go on sale today at 1 o'clock. So I've decided I'm just going to keep speaking until 1 o'clock. No. So tickets go on sale at 1 o'clock on gocTickets.com. You can see it on the screen. gocTickets.com. And beginning tomorrow at 9 a.m., Monday 9 a.m., you can actually call for the tickets, and there's the number you can get. Why do we do this? Because we want to shout, come and see. We want others to experience the Jesus we know. 
and it's a great way to do it. Think about it. Your simple act of buying a ticket and inviting people can change lives just like happened with the Samaritan woman. We're a part of the unfolding story that she experienced. It's crazy cool. All right, I want to give you this conclusion. Read a verse and we'll be done. None of our spiritual knowledge in life, none of our spiritual knowledge in life, none of our spiritual activity in life matters at all if we're not personally experiencing the hope of Jesus in us. What good would it be for us to know everything about Jesus and be active with Jesus, but never to experience Jesus within? It would be no good at all. We would have the right language, but no hope. It's ridiculous. We need to let Jesus in us, are you? And just so you can see it, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work, where? That is at work, where? Within us. If you're not experiencing his power within, you're focused beyond and not focused within. It's time to experience his power within because when you do, that's when you experience the immeasurable, awesome work of God in your life. It changes your story and gives you a story to share. Let's start sharing that story. Thanks for being here, everybody. <clears throat>